Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and this episode I'm going to be talking to you about gout. And if you want to follow along with written notes on this topic, you can follow along at zerodefinals.com slash gout or in the rheumatology section of the Zero to Finals medicine book. So let's get straight into it. Gout is a type of crystal arthropathy, which is associated with chronically high levels of uric acid in the blood. Crystal refers to the fact that urate crystals is what causes the problem, and arthropathy refers to the fact that the problem is in the joints. So what happens is urate crystals are deposited in the joint, and this causes the joint to become hot, swollen and painful. Gouty tophi are subcutaneous deposits of uric acid under the skin rather than in the joint. And these subcutaneous deposits typically occur around the small joints and connective tissues of the hands, the ears and the elbows. The DIP joints or the distal interphalangeal joints at the ends of the fingers are the most affected joints in the hands. Gout typically presents with a single, acute, hot, swollen and painful joint. The obvious and extremely important differential diagnosis is septic arthritis. And septic arthritis is quite dangerous to the joint and can be very destructive. So it's important to treat a hot, painful, swollen joint as septic arthritis initially until it's proven not to be related to an infection. So what are the risk factors for developing gout? It's very important to identify the risk factors because gout very rarely occurs in people without risk factors. However, people who have many risk factors are much more likely to get the condition. So the risk factors are being male, obese, having a high purine diet. So this is a diet high in meat and seafood and other things containing purines. Alcohol is a risk factor. Using diuretics like thiazide diuretics having existing cardiovascular or kidney disease, and having a family history of gout. There are a few typical joints that are affected in gout. The first is the base of the big toe, and this is the metatarsophalangeal joint of the great toe. The second is the wrist, and the third is the base of the thumb, and this is the carpal-metacarpal joint. Gout can also affect the big joints, such as the knees or the ankles. So how do we establish a diagnosis? Well, gout is usually diagnosed clinically or by aspirating fluid from the joint. It's really important to exclude septic arthritis as this is a potentially joint and life-threatening diagnosis. When you aspirate fluid from the joint, in gout you'll see no bacterial growth. If there's bacterial growth, this is septic arthritis rather than gout. In gout you'll also see needle-shaped crystals, negatively birefringent of polarised light, and on further investigation you find monosodium urate crystals. There's also some typical gout x-ray changes. In gout, the joint space is usually maintained on the x-ray. You can see lytic lesions within the bone. There can be punched-out erosions. And the erosions can have sclerotic borders where there's some hardening or whitening of bones. And there can be overhanging edges where the edges of the erosions hang outwards over the top of the erosion. So how do we manage the condition? Well, there's two aspects to management. 
Firstly, managing an acute flare when the patient is in pain with a red hot swollen joint. And secondly, providing prophylaxis to reduce the risk of a flare. So during an acute flare, the first line treatment is non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medication like naproxen or ibuprofen. Colchicine is a second line option. And third line where both of the above fail is to consider steroids. Colchicine is used in patients where NSAIDs would be inappropriate, such as patients with renal impairment or significant heart disease. A notable side effect is gastrointestinal upset, particularly diarrhea, which is a very common side effect. The diarrhea that you get with colchicine tends to be dose-dependent, so that if you're on a lower dose, it causes less upset than at higher doses. So if a patient develops diarrhea, Try reducing the colchicine dose and see if that improves the symptoms. The second aspect is prophylaxis. And the one medication you need to remember is allopurinol. And this is an xanthine oxidate inhibitor that's used for the prophylaxis of gout. And it works by reducing the uric acid level. It's also important to advise the patient about lifestyle changes, which can really help to reduce the risk of developing gout. And this involves losing weight, staying well hydrated and minimising the consumption of alcohol and purine rich foods such as meat and seafood. A quick Tom tip, don't initiate allopurinol prophylaxis until after the acute attack has settled. But once treatment with allopurinol has been started, then it can be continued during an acute attack. This is quite a common exam question and a useful piece of knowledge to remember. So thanks for listening to this episode on gout. A big thank you to Harry Watchman for perfectly editing this podcast. If you found this podcast helpful, I'd be really grateful if you shared it with your colleagues and friends and helped them with their revision too. And if you want to help me out, I'd be grateful for a rating or review on the iTunes podcast store. If you want written notes on all of the podcast topics, you can find them in the Zero to Finals Medicine book, which is available to buy on Amazon. If you don't fancy picking up a copy of the book, you can find all the notes as well as videos, illustrations and questions completely free at zerotofinals.com. And I hope you tune in for the next episode, which will be all about pseudo-gout.